Are you ready to get the support you need for your author career and life? Join international indie bestseller Angela J. Ford and fantasy author Stephanie Wabwa as they talk all things writing, publishing, and the real life of an indie author. Welcome to the Indie Author Lifestyle Show. Living your best indie life starts here. Hello and welcome to the Indie Author Lifestyle Show. This is episode 29 and we have a an amazing guest who's going to talk to us about writing with a co-author, which I'm really excited about. Um, that's something that I personally have wanted to do, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. So his tips were super helpful and makes me excited for maybe possibly co-writing in the future. But anyway, Stephanie, how are you? How's your week been? And what are you working on? Hello, hello. Yeah, I'm really excited for today's episode just because it was a really fascinating discussion about co-writing, which like I really want to do as well. But like you also get nervous, you know what I mean? Because it can go very wrong very quickly and you don't want to lose a relationship, you know, over writing. But I still really want to do it. And I know like like really big time authors, uh, one of my favorite authors, Cassandra Clare, she co-wrote many series with Holly Black, which I feel like that's a part of why they're so big as authors in the trad world. But yeah, it's a fascinating discussion. So I'm really excited for today's interview. But for me in my world, I have a brand new cover for my series prequel, Seraphim Falling. It is so, so pretty. I will say um, a little bit of a takeaway for our listeners. So I originally designed the first cover. Um mainly because I, I was in a spot and I was like, oh, well, you know, I mean, I have like certain graphic design skills, I can put it together. And it's not that it was like horrendous, you know, but um, at the end of the day, I did, you know, I launched it the first time back in February and the launch did not go as I as I would have hoped. And so after talking with um, you and some other fellow authors, I realized, okay, receive the tough love, receive the critique, you know, dry your tears. It's going to be okay. Just take some steps back and re-strategize. And so I took some steps back, found an illustrator that Angela recommended me and she's amazing. Um, I sent her my vision. Um, I know that I am one of those picky people that like wants to see what's in their brain, you know, come to fruition. And so like I, I sent a very super specific email with everything that I wanted and my illustrator nailed it above and beyond. I am super impressed. Um, name drop, her name is Dominique Wesson. She is awesome absolutely awesome. Give her credit where credit is due. Um, so Seraphim Falling has a new cover and I'm in the works of doing a couple of different uh, marketing strategies for it. And we'll see how that goes. I will follow up in following episodes with um, just some updates to see how my marketing techniques are working and you know what's happening with that. So I'm really excited about that. And then also working on my weekly uh, angelic storm elemental serial with my audience and um also working on a fantasy romance serial as well that won't be with my audience that's just like a passion project have fun while you're writing this massive seraphim resistance <laughs> series because that series is huge and so like these little side passion projects are my way of like breathing in between books before i dive back in so i am going to be writing um 
this first fantasy romance serial and then I'll dive into book two of the Seraphim Resistance and then go back and forth so on. So I'm excited. It's really fun. I have illustrators lined up for even more projects that I haven't mentioned. It never ends, right? It never ends for us fantasy folks. So I have, I have several illustrators lined up. I'm really excited for what's happening with those. I'm excited to be in a stage of like writing, but also like testing out different marketing strategies and seeing what works for my personal um, YA brands. Because at the end of the day, um, and you know, in the beginning, you can try everything, but as you grow, you realize there's certain strategies just won't work for you. So you have to test and see what will work for you and what you do. So I'm really excited to like, you know, just get my hands in the dirt and really figure out the marketing strategy that will work for my particular young adult fantasy brand and just nail that. So I'm, I have my hands full, but it's fun. We will see in the next, you know, 30 to 90 days, what works, what doesn't, and what I'll be changing. So what are you working on, Angela? How was your week and what is new for you in your your writing world. Oh my gosh, my week was all the things. It was just really busy, just pretty stressful. Not a very fun week, but I did have a lot of fun things that happened. Like I've been working on my fantasy romance serial. So I had the second book release come out actually yesterday. It's a Friday, came out on Thursday. So that was super exciting. Um, I have the same illustrator you have, and she's amazing, and she just nails it. It's really awesome. So I absolutely adore the cover art. Like, oh, I could stare at it for ages. Like, maybe I should get it framed and put it on the wall. I don't know. It's amazing. I love it. But um, that was great. I finished writing the second book in my Night at the Dark Fae trilogy, and I sent that to my editor, and she's going to go through and make it a thousand percent better. Uh, I'm really excited about that. And then the audiobook for Pawn just came out. And I had this audiobook done back in February. Amazon took over 30 days to approve it after it was finished, which was not fun at all. And for those of you who don't know, um, AmazonACX.com is um, Amazon's audiobook uh, section. And they are offering higher royalties for authors because they are taking more than 30 days to get audiobooks out. It used to take anywhere from like, I don't know, five to 10 days. And now they're taking over 30. And so it's not been very fun, but it is finally out. The wait is over and I'm really excited. So I'm going to blast social media with that. <laughs> but yeah, so really exciting things in the book world. I'm actually supposed to be taking a breather before diving into another project, but we'll see. I probably won't. I'll probably just like get started on something because I can't help it. It's just too much fun. And it's like the, it's the fun thing to do. It's like the, the sunshine, like after all the stress and all the not fun things, it's really cool to get into writing. And I think that's the thing that I love about it. And as we head into our interview, like it's just very clear that writing is so much fun and it's what people do for fun and it's very cool to hear why people do it what gets them started and what gets them so motivated and excited about it before we get started talking on today's topic here's a word about our indie author lifestyle workshops workshops are designed for career authors who want in-depth training on certain topics to help you take your career to the next level 
Join us each month to dig into writing, publishing, and book marketing strategies for only $27.99. Plus, get access to the exclusive community. Find out our topic of the month by going to IndieAuthorLifestyle.com forward slash workshops. Now, back to our episode. Welcome to another episode of the Indie Author Lifestyle Show. And today we have a very special guest, Robert Zangari. Robert Zangari is a fantasy fiction writer and co-author of the Legends of Kelda universe. He started his writing career in 2009, writing nonfiction, but switched to writing fantasy novels in 2011 to help his dad, Dan Zangari. Since 1991, Dan had been writing a fantasy epic, but due to other responsibilities, the work was never completed. However, in 2011, Robert began working with his father. Together, they created a new series based on Dan's original concept called Tales of the Omelette. Robert grew up in northern Utah, where he attended Weber State University and the University of Utah studying biomedical engineering. He served a Mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Eastern Tennessee. He currently resides in Utah, just north of Salt Lake City, with his wife, three daughters, and their dog, Chewy. While he's not writing, he enjoys immersing himself in stories through a variety of mediums, books, plays, musicals, TV, movies, and video games, practicing martial arts, spending time with his family, and serving in his church. Robert, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you on. And wow, that that's a lot. So uh, your your dad was a writer, which is really cool. So it kind of seems like something that runs in the family. So we'd love to hear, tell us a little bit more about kind of why you decided to start writing and then um, that switch over to nonfiction and then also why you decided to take the, the indie career. Um, so I I always had the idea of being an author kind of in the back of my head. Uh, traditionally, my dad's an aerospace engineer by trade, and I kind of wanted to go that similar out, hence the, the branch into biomedical engineering. Um, and my dad was writing, he had written, you know, all throughout the 90s and early 2000s. And I kind of grew up seeing him work on these stories and thought, that would be kind of cool to do something like that. Um, and then I didn't really start writing until uh, it was, I think it was 2009, 2010-ish. Um, a couple years before that, I had started a martial arts school. Um, and I decided, well, what other things can I do to boost the revenue for my martial arts business? And so I thought, I'll just write a book. So I threw together uh, a book. I wrote it in, I think, two weeks. Uh, it was like 130 pages, and then I decided, well, I'm going to go ahead and self-publish this, because I had kind of heard about self-publishing, and then thought, well, I, I, I could probably get, get by and get, get through this myself, and the whole time that I was doing that, my dad was still working on his books, and he hadn't actually published anything yet, so all, all of his works were unpublished, that he had written um, pretty much a trilogy and then he had gone back to uh revising the story and said okay we're going to start this a little earlier so he was working on the earlier parts so after i had published that and i had started getting some sales and he, he asked he approached me and said do you want to 
come and help me work on this. And I was going to school at the time as well. And so I thought, yeah, I could, I could help, you know, part-time and we could, you know, do something like that. And he's like, at the rate that I'm going, I feel like I'm going to have to hire a ghostwriter to finish this. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, we'll help out. I'll help you out, Dad. And so we started that in 2011. And then I really found that I loved storytelling. So I thought, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this full time. So I decided I'm going to, I was still going to school. We uh, published our first novel in 2013. We initially, we wanted to go traditionally published, but the novel that we had written was pretty thick. It was, you know, seven, 800 pages. Um, and every editor and publisher that we uh, showed it to was saying, it's too big. You got to cut this in half. And we're like, eh, I don't really want to do that. And so that's what kind of put us down the self-publishing route, especially since I had gone that way before with my uh, martial arts book. Um, and so that's kind of what landed us in that career. And we just like the, the creative freedom and all the other awesome things about being self-published, not being on your own schedule with, you know, putting things out. I can put things out as fast or as slow as I want to. And it's just, it's just great. I think that's super awesome because I too come from a pretty creative family. Granted, they're mostly like artistically and like musically creative, whereas like there's like few of us writers, but I do have like cousins and whatnot who um, are published authors. And so I think it's super cool that, you know, your father had these volumes just sitting there and you were able to like go in. It's kind of like a family business, so to speak. It's like, okay, well, you know, hey, I'll pick up, I'll help you with this, which I think is super cool. And so my question is, you know, because of course this series has evolved. And so is it still just the vision of your dad? Because I can imagine, you know, it's two, you still have two different minds working on the same world, you know? And so though, I mean, your father and son, and of course you, you know, you guys love the stories in the same world. I feel like there would sometimes be a bit of challenges, you know, in figuring like, like who's the vision here? Like whose protagonist is getting chosen and whose plot twists are getting thrown in the book and whose ideas are getting cut. So like, how do you guys balance that as far as like partners working on the same world together so when I first started I was mainly just following what my dad was envisioning and then after a little while of, we had written our first book it was actually towards the end of the first book I started getting more ideas and a lot of it was well if this happened then logically you know this should lead to a whole chain of events either in the past or in the future. And so I thought, so that's where I got a lot of my ideas of looking at his base work and saying, okay, what can I build off of this? And it's kind of, it's, it really has morphed into this thing that was his and now is ours. And a lot of the things I think were just subconsciously there in the back of my head. Cause then when I, brought it up to my dad and said, hey, I got this cool idea. What do you think if we did this for this character? And then he would say, you know, I was thinking about that, but I never wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost like we were on the same wavelength on, on most of this stuff. Um, my dad likes to, to describe his uh, involvement as he's the 
broad strokes, bright colors kind of person, and I'm the get into all the nitty gritty details. And so I'll look at things that he doesn't even consider and say, well, what about this character? And what about the backstory for this? And what motivated this guy, you know, to, to go after this, you know, particular relic or something? And, and, and that will kind of, he'll, he'll kind of think about it and be like, yeah, let me think about it. And other times he's like, oh yeah, that sounds really good. Um, the, the latest novel that we put out, Prince's Errand, um, is actually kind of a, a retelling of everything from the beginning, a new beginning essentially for Tales of the Amulet. And most of that was my invention. And my dad had a, a little bit of involvement as far as where the climax was, but as far as getting there, getting to that point, it was mostly what I had envisioned. And most, especially in this particular era of where the world of Calde is at, it was pretty wide open. So anything that I was like, hey, what do you think about this? And he was like, all right, go for it, son. That's really cool. And I'm loving this whole like back and forth and the, the ideals coming forth and just kind of recognizing where your strengths and your weaknesses as a team are. And so one of the things I'm really curious about really because I haven't done any co-writing and I think it would be fun to do, but when you get into the nitty gritty of it, what does it look like when you're actually writing? Like, is it, you know, does he write a chapter? Do you write a chapter? Is all this character you? Is all this character him? Like, how do you actually come together and like make it a project that's both your own? And how do you handle the writing part of it? So at first, we we were kind of writing back and forth. And the manuscript that we had was, I had taken what he had written, and then I was just kind of inserting things and building on it. And you could tell that there were two different people talking. It was not super smooth. So I'm the faster typist. So I we decided a couple years ago, I'm just going to write all the prose. And we'll, we'll outline and we'll plot and we'll do all of that together on the back end. But then when it comes out, it comes out as a more unified single voice for the, for the actual prose. And so I spend most of the time doing the actual writing and he'll handle a lot of the editing. So I'll write a chapter, I'll send it over to him and then he'll review it. We'll talk about it. He'll do any, you know, line editing or things like that. And then, uh, and then I just keep plugging away. So. That is very interesting because you know, so like I've always thought of, um, I haven't co-written as well either. And so like, I find it fascinating because I'm like, because I'm always thinking, okay, whose ideas comes across and who's doing all of this, you know, as Angela asked, like who's doing all this writing? And so, and these are not, I mean, like you're talking seven, 800 pages worth of writing. That's a lot of story. And so um, I think it's really cool that you guys have this sort of system where, you know, it's like, okay, how about this? You get the words out. I'll review them and then we'll kind of get on the same page. And so um, when it comes to like 
the characters and I know you said like you know you have ideas and you'll say hey I'm thinking of this what do you think about it and you'll like approve it and you guys will move on from there and so when it comes to like your your characters in the story and like the world that revolves around them how do you guys go about building that right because you do have two different voices wanting to build these characters that readers have to get attached to right for a very long period of time it's a lot of story and so how do you go about developing these characters that readers can attach to even though it can come from two different voices almost um so a few of our main characters i tried not to do too many changes from what my dad had originally envisioned and so it we mostly have like he's got his batch of characters he created i've got my batch that i've created and a lot of it has been and this also goes for like the settings too Hmm. um my dad did a lot of the overarching, you know, world building and said, okay, this is what the world's like, but he never got into a whole bunch of details as far as, well, what is life like in the empire of mind alarm? Um, what is life like in the kingdom of loss? And so it's kind of been like, he had kind of back to the broad strokes idea and you know, he had these overall ideas, but it wasn't totally complete. Uh, some of the more the, our main characters, Iltar and Kornar, um, Kornar is actually one character I did put forward and say, hey, we probably should change this. Initially, Iltar was the the old magic wielder um, that was, he was kind of like, you know, like in the old movies, like I'm thinking of uh, um journey to the center of the earth where there's the old professor and then he's got the kind of younger guy that's helping him. Kornar was kind of like that younger guy. Um, Iltar was in his fifties and Kornar was supposed to be in his thirties. And then as we were writing it, when I first started going with it and I was like, well, these guys are like really good buddies. Why don't we change Kornar to be same age or maybe just a little younger than Iltar and have it be that they actually grew up together. And so I kind of had this idea and told them, well, they were orphans and they kind of became brothers in arms and they started adventuring together. And my dad was like, I never thought of it that way. I actually like that better. We'll we'll go with that one instead. (laughs) And so that's kind of one of the, I I guess one of the examples. but as far as like there's been several characters in a prince's errand that i totally made up and i didn't even run it past my dad i just was like boom i'm making up that guy um and one of them was um one of the main one of the pov characters you meet in the prologue and he's a prince from the mind alarm empire and he's one of the main characters that you kind of follow throughout uh the book and in fact um we're actually reinserting his overarching storyline into the entire series. I'm just going to kind of divert for just a second. But when we initially published, we had written four novels and we had uh, self-published each of those. And then about uh, two years ago, um, when I got married to my second wife, Tamala, uh, she was reading through the book. She's a huge fantasy fan. And she thought, the story doesn't feel like it's starting off where it should. And you guys should really go back and, and, and do something in the beginning. And that's what our latest novel of Prince's Errand was, is the, the new first book of Tales of the Amulet. 
So a lot of, a lot of what I did with Kiesis now has changed things in the story. So now we're trying to figure out, okay, how do we weave his storyline and his plot in? And uh, my dad's looked at it and he's like, I'm just going to leave that up to you. Since you made this guy, this is your mess. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, a few other minor characters that we've made, uh, there's been some adjustments to, there's a half elf named Baldwin. And he was kind of an, an evolving character that was not really supposed to be much. But after we wrote um, our second book, and we, I, I went and I actually did some short stories with him. Well, I, they're novellas, really. They're, they're about 20, 25 to 28,000 words. And um, I kind of went off on this own little tangent exploring this character, things that my dad hadn't considered. And uh, so we're now going back and retconning that a little bit to fit. And most of the changes have been, my dad's looked at and said, yeah, I'm fine with that. I think he's gotten to the point that he's like, I just want to get these stories published. So if you think it's going to be better, just go ahead and change it. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And a, a piggyback question what for me, and you kind of touched on it was, so how do y'all come to compromise, right? Because I'm sure there's times where it's like, hey, I want to insert this. Oh, but I'm not feeling that, right? So it's like, when there is that bit of disagreement, like, oh, let's go th with, you know, let's go this way with the world. But one party's like, no, I really don't think we should go there. Let's keep it the way it is. How do you guys settle that? Like, especially for, you know, listeners who are probably like, you know, you know, I'm thinking of doing this co-writing thing. And so like some obstacles to kind of prepare for, you know, if there comes any disagreement, how to find compromise between the writers. So the book isn't like a total loss, you know? One of the things that we've done whenever we've butted heads has been to just kind of step back and look at what we've already established and thought and, and, and ask the questions, does this mess up the world building? Mm. And, you know, it, it mostly has been, we got to sit back and look at it and really think about both of the options. And there's been a few times when it's, we've decided, okay, we're just not going to, go either direction that's come up with something new and then we would discuss it and kind of collaborate on a better compromise um most of the time um there's been a few instances where i was like well this should really happen and my dad was like no i don't think so and i'm like well back in this book in this chapter this character said this, <laughs> and that's the little detail part of me coming out. And he, he goes back, he looks at it, and then he's like, oh, I guess you're right. We'll go that direction. And, uh, and so it's really been kind of a looking at it as far as, you know, just kind of taking a step back. That would be like my biggest suggestion is take a step back look at what serves the world best and what serves the characters best and then go that route. Cause there's been things that I've been like, Oh, I want this to happen. Even when I'm just writing something myself and I feel like I really want to go that way, but the story is not going that way. And so I I've, 
I would say, you know, just kind of looking at it and saying, what is going to be best for these guys and just kind of put the ego aside and say, okay, ego, you sit over there while we figure out what, what's really supposed to happen here. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's really cool. And I'm just geeking out over here of like the ideal, just creating these worlds, this world and these characters and just how much fun that is uh, for you and your dad to have a project that you're doing together and for so many years too. So I guess my next question is, is do you have a goal in mind for the number of books that you're going to write and a completion date? Yes. Um, we have 12 big novels planned for Tales of the Amulet. Uh, and by big, they're like, the a Prince's Errand was 325,000 words. And the sequel is looking to be about 350. Um, so we're, we took the original books that we had. We, we were initially planning to do like um, 10 uh, when we first started working together. Um, but, and that was 10 story arcs of, of uh, they weren't completely divided into books at the time, but we had 10 individual story arcs that we wanted to cover. And then uh, we've kind of, those, those story arcs have shifted and changed and some have come together. Um, and then we've actually added more because of what we decided to do with the Prince's Errand. And so we, we decided, well, let's just do 12 because then that's, you know, that's, we got a, essentially four trilogies. And so we kind of de developed each of the arcs to be somewhat self-contained within th each three books. Um, and we're looking to try to do at least one of those a year. It took me about nine months to write A Prince's Errand. And that was with two months of um, like a break time. My, my wife had um, our youngest, and so I ended up taking a break to help her with the baby. And, and when she got back to work, I wasn't writing as much. And so um, about, it was really about seven, seven and a half months that it took to write all the, the first draft of A Prince's Errand and about uh, two more months to get it prepared before I sent it off to my editor. And so we've, and my editor took her around three months to get everything finished with all the line and the copy edits. And so we're looking uh, probably early next year for the Dark Necromancer, uh, which is book two. And um, we're, we've kind of been debating on how we want to release the series. Uh, we just recently, uh, well, by just a couple months ago, um, Michael Kramer, who narrated The Wheel of Time and a lot of Brandon Sanderson's book, uh, agreed to narrate our novel. And uh, so we're, we're thinking, well, okay, do we want to also give Michael time to narrate and release the audiobooks along with the ebooks and the hardcovers? Because we can get the hardcovers and the ebooks ready to go, but then we would need another three months or so before the audiobooks are ready. And so we're like, well, eh, don't know how we're going to do this quite yet. Um, but we would like to release one every year or at least every year and a half. Plus, we have some um, companion stories that we've written that go along with each of the, each of the big novels. Um, and then there's four prequels that 
we've been working on. And I'm about mm, a little over two thirds of the way through one of the prequels. I've been working on it on and off for the last year. Um, but those ones take some of the side characters or certain events that were prior to Tales of the Amulet and shows how that particular event influenced the main storyline. And so overall for this particular series, we have uh, 14 books and 12 short story slash novella length uh, volumes. So we're we're thinking it'll probably be another 10 years. So hopefully by 2030, we'll have everything released. <laughs> if that doesn't sound like true fantasy, like, like I just hear George R.R. R. Martin all over this with his like 15 billion years for um, his Game of Thrones series. But that is awesome, first of all, because I think it's really cool that you can have such a length of storytelling you know across so many books which i'm i'm assuming is across so many time periods also i mean with angela alone her four world series that was like several thousand years of like history there so i was like ah you know like stories like that I'm, I, I love digging into them because you can get lost in a world for a very very long time and really just journey with these characters but i'm wondering and you talked a little, you touched a little bit about it when it comes to marketing, right? So who spearheads that? And how do you guys settle on like which strategies that you'll choose to work, especially with strategies changing, you know, so quickly and you've been in the game for several years. So how do you guys choose which strategies will work and who really takes the reins as far as like marketing and making sure it gets out there? Um, so we both kind of have some shared responsibilities with that. Um, I do most of the social media marketing um, and then my dad will also uh, do things on the newsletter. Um, and then um, as far as we will both kind of, it's kind of changed over the years of what we've done marketing wise. Um, when one of the, the big things that we were, that we've done is just Facebook ads. That's been a prim our primary target and building our audience that way. Um, we actually, before um, in our initial launch, we didn't really do a lot of marketing like in 2013, 2014. Um, it, everything was all just organic and it's really changed since then. But we, uh, we did rely on like free promos and initially what we had done was we made our first book free as kind of our reader magnet. And then we offered um, the, uh, the, the companion story as well for, for people to sign up on our mailing lists. And then we ended up just really utilizing that as our initial thing uh, when we first started. Um, and we haven't really dug into a lot of paid advertising until the last couple of years. Um, one of the things that, uh, where we found new readers was actually putting our uh, books on Kickstarter. And so we did a, a Kickstarter for a Prince's Errand last year. And we recently just finished a Kickstarter for the audiobook edition on Saturday. And so we've gained some people that way. Uh, but we've also done giveaways. Giveaways have been pretty successful for us. Um, uh, we would attend, we've been attending uh, Salt Lake Comic Con now, Fan X, 
Um, and that's actually where we found most of our readers. Um, and so we were just doing giveaways for uh, different prizes. And so it was pretty, it was pretty simple. Just sign up for your mailing, you know, put your email address and phone number. And, and, you know, if you get it, you know, we'll do the prize at the end of the, um, the con and, and announce it then. Um, and so we got readers that way, but um, at the moment, um, it seems right now Facebook ads have been do doing really well for us, but you know, we're kind of branching off and looking at potentially doing bookbub deals for the, um, once we get a couple more books republished and that way we can, you know, drop the first book to 99 cents for a time to try to get entice new readers. Yeah, and that's great. And I'm really glad you shared that because the landscape has changed so much in the last 10 years for publishing. And so it's a lot different. I, I still hear a lot of people talk about back in the day when everything was organic and it was great. And now like you have to be very proactive about marketing your book in order to get it out there. And I feel like that's even more true, especially this month per se. Like you have to be marketing. If you're not marketing, you're just going to get, you're just going to be invisible. Yep. Yeah. I, that's something that I've noticed, uh, especially with everything going on. And then of course, with the competition that, you know, people are, you know, dropping books for free. And so there's a lot of eyes elsewhere. So there's, you got to have something really to entice your readers to, to get them to look at your books. Absolutely. Well, this is really awesome. Like everything that you're doing and like this whole world that you're just living in is really fun. Is there, have you ever considered or is this like something for the future where you'll kind of branch off and maybe do your own project? Um, I, I actually have quite a few projects. Um, I'm really in love with the call the universe and some of the other worlds we've built. And so I, uh, I'm going to kind of backtrack a little bit. So when my dad first started, he was actually working on another planet uh, where books seven, eight, and nine will primarily take place on. Um, and, and when he went back in 2000 to kind of backtrack a little bit, that's when he created the world of Calda. And, and so he didn't really have as much detail there. So when we've been working together, it's been, hey, what do you think of this? And he's like, yeah, because I don't really have much. So I imagine that we will kind of butt heads a little bit when we start getting to his world that he spent years building on. Um, but there's a few that a few projects that I want to do. Um, I would like to do a story within the story. And there's a one of the books that is shown in uh, that Iltar is actually reading to his acolytes in chapter two of A Prince's Errand is called The Myth of Morgrid. And I've already kind of got some ideas of writing that book. And so that one will most likely be all my invention. Um, there's another one, uh, another little spin-off series that I'm not sure how it's gonna fit entirely, um, but I wanted to do some kind of a fantasy murder mystery. And and so it just, I, I got the idea when I was reading Isaac Asimov's robot series, and that's science fiction murder mystery, which that's a lot easier to do because you're just setting it, you know, in the future and you can use a lot of the, 
a lot of the detective techniques and things like that. And so for what I want to do though, I'm trying to like, okay, how would you do this in a somewhat medieval Renaissance era of how would they go about solving these murders? And so I've, I've got part of a book outlined and I would love to do that maybe while my editor's working on one of the, one of the books for Tales of the Amulet, but that's definitely a side project I want to do. And um, there's a whole bunch of other stories and worlds I'd like to explore. Um, I think we have a total of four different planets that we've kind of uh, built on in the Calda universe with the potential of a lot more. And so there, we have a lot of room to kind of branch out and see, but um, yeah, there's, I've, I've got a few under my belt and I'm excited to get those, you know, work on those when the time comes, but I'm really loving working with my dad and getting the, the call to universe, you know, fleshed out and finishing Tales of the Amulet. Yeah. And so with the different planets that you have, with the books, will, will there be, will people need to start from book one or will there be different entry points into the series? Uh, I want to have different, different entry points. I'm, you know, if someone wants to read Tales of the Amulet, they can start with, you know, book one and go for there, from there. Um, with the prequels for Tales of the Amulet, I, I would like to have each of those be self-contained. So that way, if someone wanted to just pick that up, they could, you know, read the book without any prior knowledge. And if they didn't want to read any more beyond that or jump to something else, they could and don't have to necessarily start at a prince's errand and go from there. Um, there will be, I, I, I like doing little cameos and little tie-ins. And so like there will be Easter eggs for people that have, you know, read the books and be like, oh, okay, so I know where this ties in. And, oh, I think I remember hearing about this in another book. And so there'll be things like that, but I would like, like for instance, the murder mystery series, I would like for that to be self-contained. So, if, you know, you just jump into book one and then two and three and, and you know, that's right there. You don't have, don't have to have read Tales of the Amulet because quite frankly, it's going to be a big series and it's, that's a lot, a lot of pages to read. Yeah, and I have a question. So where do you all get your inspiration from, right? Because th I'm just, I'm geeking out only because I love stuff like this, like the, the very macro sense of world building where there's like 15 billion planets and like so many different characters because the possibilities are endless. And so I'm wondering, like, what do you draw from, right? I know sometimes it can be, you know, past fantasy books. You know, we had... Um, we had J.A. Andrews on and she talked about how, you know, she really drew from like books like Narnia and like, you know, from like Tolkien and all these, you know, past uh, fantasy authors who really, I mean, like their standard is like yay high, right? And so, um, you know, just with all of the stories that you have and you're going to have all these different entry points, these different characters, where are you drawing from your, you know, drawing your inspiration from and how is your well constantly overflowing? Because it sounds like you are full of ideas and I think that's just super awesome. Um, so a lot of it, I'll, I'll kind of back up and I'll speak for my dad. Uh, a lot of his thing, his inspiration was Tolkien, Dungeons and Dragons, some of the, the early D&D &D novels, uh, Dragonlance, um, things like that. 
And so he took that and was like, I'm just gonna, you know, do my own thing with it. And so for me, I'm, I have, I read most of those books as well growing up. Um, and I, and part of it for me is I'm, I'm drawing on, you know, what my dad had created in all the lore books and the backstory. Um, but I think some of the, some works of fiction that have influenced me the most have probably been uh, Star Wars, even though it's not strictly fantasy, but there it's, you know, science fantasy. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've read a lot of the Forgotten Realms books. Those were some of the stories that I, I really read and, and thrived on. Um, and so, you know, part of it is I have a very wild imagination. So I just kind of think about what if we did this? And so I just follow these trains of logic down these, you know, meandering paths and seeing where it's going to take me. And a lot of times, um, inspiration will come to me when I'm just kind of just sitting quietly or if I'm in the shower, actually, I get a lot of ideas when I'm just there in the shower and thinking and being like, Oh, what if I did that for this plot twist? Um, and, uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of different novels that have influenced me over the years. Um, I would say um, David Eddings, The Belgariad and The Malorian was one that I loved. Um, of course, you know, like The Wheel of Time and um, Brandon Sanderson's Stormlight Archive and Mistborn and some of the other contemporary fantasies of, of our day and age. Um, but I try to, when I'm actively world building or plotting a novel, I try to stay clear of what is other novels of, of reading. And so I'm like, okay, I want to try to isolate myself the most and really get down to what is the core of the story. So I'm not trying to piggyback off of you know, somebody else's work or inadvertently insert something that's, oh, that sounds very similar to this idea that that author did. I uh, can't do that. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that that's really great. And just really cool that you have all these inspirations to pull from and also with your dad and all the inspirations. And one of the things that really gets me excited is just the lore and just finding out what other people come up with. And I think that's one of the things that makes reading so much fun. And then of course, like you said, the Easter eggs and just finding things that link together. I think that's my favorite thing about huge, like spanning epic fantasy sagas is finding those little things that link together and just freaking out about it. It's so much fun. But yeah, it, it's amazing. And I have more, one more question before we, we go, because this is just so much fun, just learning about everything that you're doing. But what advice would you have for uh, writers that want to get started with co-authoring a book or like writing with someone else? What, what advice would you have for them? Um, first off, I would say know who you're working with. That's crucial. Um, there's, and what I mean by that is know their style, what their preferences are, 
what kind of what are their what's their storytelling like um and so that will help because if you guys are it, do the similar type of thing then it's going to be easier for you when you're actually working together um we haven't had that problem but i could potentially see a clash of if you have two different co-authors with two different styles there's potentially a problem um, because not only are you guys going to be butting heads on the story but how to tell the story um, the next piece of advice I would say would be figure out what roles each other are going to do in the beginning. Um, with us, we've, it's kind of shifted and it's kind of evolved. Um, and, you know, my dad and I have a really great relationship uh, outside of being co-authors. Um, and I think that really helped. Uh, but when we first started off, there was no predefined, okay, you're doing this, I'm doing that. And I think if we would have done that before, it probably would have saved us a lot of heartache and grief trying to figure out what we're doing. Um, and then the next thing would be um, look at the look at the business and the legal side of everything too. Um, you know, set up an LLC together, make sure there's, you know, it's divided equitably. Um, make sure, you know, who, who's, what's going on, like who's going to be the main copyright holder or, or both of you are. Um, and just kind of the little nitty gritty stuff uh, and, you know, building on that, like who's going to be doing what, who's going to be publishing it. Are you guys, if you're going to self-publish it, are you going to, uh, you know, create a new, you know, small publishing house together and, you know, and run your co-authored works through that or, you know, just kind of figuring out where you want to go with it. Um, and I think that will help whenever, because in that way, that kind of sets up expectations as far as what each person is expecting to put in and get out of it. So, no, definitely such sage advice. I really love that you, you know, you dropped in the LLC tip there because that's something that I don't think authors would think about um, going into it. You know, you kind of just think, okay, let's just write. But then it's like, no, like this is a business. Um, you're going to be selling product, <laughs> you know, income's going to be coming in and you guys have to figure out how to manage this legally, you know? And so um, thank you for, you know, sharing that. And I just, you know, what a unique experience, especially that you're doing it with your dad. You know, like I've heard of, you know, I've listened to interviews where it's friends or, you know, like, you know, new buddies or whatever, but, you know, to hear father and son, just to see how like the storytelling legacy is passing on as you build this work together. Uh, that's just really, really cool. So thank you so much for coming on the Indie Author Lifestyle Show and just sharing your unique perspective and your career with us. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this has been absolutely fantastic. And we can't wait for how people receive it. The journey to becoming a full-time author on your own terms doesn't have to be lonely or hard. We have an awesome community where we chat daily, write together, and motivate each other. 
to be part of this vibrant community of indie authors living their best bookish life on their own terms, go to indieauthorlifestyle.com forward slash inner circle for more information. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love to hear more from you. Leaving a rating or review helps us to create more great content like this. Be sure to rate this episode and subscribe to the show. Thanks for listening to the Indie Author Lifestyle Show. See you inside the community.